Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra $0.25 a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a $0.25 a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Ben Worth joins us for part two of Cavs the Blog podcast uh, after a short break from our first part of the podcast. So here we go. We've been bitching about <laughs> Kyrie Irving for the past 45 minutes, and we can only uh, assume you could feel <laughs> our energy around the globe and you had to call in. I think that's probably why I woke up so early. I just was like a bat signal call. Like I was uh, I was up really ridiculous. Yeah, there's the was... signal. Well, I'm going to finish this thought, Ben, and then you can add. Um, cool. I know this is blasphemous amongst probably a little over half of Cavs fans, and I know it's very upsetting. But I honestly, we, we have a nice little somewhat of a controlled experiment here. We have a team last year that was forced to muck up the game, um, try to control a possession-based affair where they rebounded and defended like crazy and they played scrappy. They played like underdogs. They played like people 
that their body language on the court was, if I literally don't give 110% to the point where I have to be taken to the hospital with IVs because I'm exhausted, we have no chance of beating this team. And they could have been up 3 nothing in that series. And they really made the Warriors work. And this year, they're firing at all cylinders, yada, yada, yada. They're healthy. They're deeper than ever. And they don't look like they have a chance. Now, granted, I agree the Warriors are a better team this year. I'm not disputing that. And it's a kind of a small sample size. But the very first thing that I pondered both in my head and out loud on the blog in November was, okay, so Kevin Love's back. And Kyrie Irving will be back in a month and a half. But honestly, is that the best style of play to knock off this team out West that just doesn't seem to lose? And I buried those thoughts when the Cavs kind of steamrolled through the East and they've come roaring back. And I don't want to overreact to one or two games, but I don't feel like I am. I feel like I'm reacting to what Ben Alomar and Jeremiah Engelman are reacting to. Kyrie Irving hasn't improved since his rookie year. Yeah, and, and if you want to reiterate that uh, Jeremiah Singleman article, uh, I think we lost about five minutes of the podcast. Um, he, he wrote an article about how ridiculously awful Kyrie Irving's defense was in game one. Game one, which, again, I actually thought Kyrie's defense was kind of okay. And I don't know if Engelman doesn't watch a lot of Cavs games, but he seemed genuinely shocked at the lack of effort in a finals game. Like, why are you just jogging back? And why are you, like, have your hands at your sides and not, like, that's your guy that's cutting back door. And, you know, just, so he posted a, a bunch of, our YouTube clip, a compilation of, like, eight or nine possessions where he felt Kyrie's defense was very substandard. Um, not all of them were, like, egregious, but a few of them were. And uh, so, anyway, my point, Ben, was just in saying that if you're not, like, a Cavs fan that, you know, worships at the altar of Uncle Drew's buckets. Um, if you're just kind of a if you love un- All-Star Game MVPs, yeah. If you're if you're if you're sort of an unbiased NBA stats guy, you just don't think very highly of Kyrie Irving. And go, Ben. It's kind of hard because I've. You I probably will be been unleashed. <laughs> I know. And I probably will say so much of the same stuff that you guys have said because we've we so much agree on on Irving. Um, Let me just read. He, I asked I asked the question to EG. Okay, let's say the Cavs lose the next two games and they're not competitive. Do you make a major change in the off season, or do you try to get better with what you have? Let these guys grow together and gain more trust. And consider, you know, and, and but his basically and the his question answer is, is Kyrie was, redeemable. And his answer was he would stick with Kyrie and Kevin Love. He thinks Kyrie is redeemable and that he needs to get completely and utterly undressed like he is in order to make the changes. And he basically kind of added a little nuance by saying, but I wouldn't bring back JR and I might not bring back Ty Lu. And so. Nate refuses to answer the question. So because in Nate's world, the Cavs are still winning the championship. It's Cavs and six. So what's your take? All right. So so my take is actually it's it's always LeBron based. So as far as an entertaining product, and if we are eliminating the business aspect of teams and why 
you know, these guys make all the money in the NBA. I mean, it is a beneficial thing to have Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love on your team as far as a marketing standpoint is concerned and all that. So, I mean, if we can somehow take that out of the equation, which well, is please difficult. Please take that out of the equation. Right. Like, like just high. purely, I know, right? But that's how, unfortunately, how a lot of this stuff works. Um, but but basketball-wise, uh, it's totally non-redeemable. I'm, I'm, I'll say, right, it's just not It's not going to work because LeBron is non-redeemable when it comes to allowing players to not be glorified role players. He makes everybody a role player, and he will continue to make everyone one a role player until he can ever change his mentality of what it means to, to do the intelligent play on the floor from an X and O standpoint and not just what his natural court awareness allots him. He's amazing at finding open shooters on the weak side. He has this incredible court instinct that has been confused with brilliance throughout, throughout his whole career. And when people constantly have been riding on, like, what a, what a genius you are, it fuels that fire. And, I, I, you know, LeBron is still, in many regards, the best player in the world. And I, I really do think so, but it's not because he's so brilliant. And with those stipulations, the like in order to be pragmatic about building the team, you have to just, you know, you cut your losses. You realize that you need to supply LeBron really, really good role players who do everything that LeBron won't do naturally, which is always follow the scheme on defense, which is always hit the open shot, make the proper like rotations play, you know, better versions of the grit squad from 2015, like up upgrade in that way. And if you can turn, Star players like Kevin Love and Kyrie, who I was actually just equating uh, theater life with this basketball stuff the other day, is that like there's there might be a person who's really good at playing a star role in a small theater that's not a great theater, but not doing not good at being a role player on a better stage, and it's not because they're not good at playing the star in the in the small theater, but they're just those are two different jobs. Um, and Kevin Love and Kyrie have shown themselves to be really good star players in bad theaters <laughs> and not, uh, you know, not capable role players for LeBron in, in this version of what LeBron needs. So are there Kyrie, birds, I think are there birds dude, where you are drop, drop the mic, feed the birds. It took every ounce of my energy not to interrupt <laughs> that amazing monologue with where are you because i just keep hearing <laughs> the most beautiful sounding birds in the background and i'm just like envisioning you with the sun shining through some tropical like no trees, through a cathedral where... window <laughs> yeah yeah uh, to be fair i mean i am in you know beautiful germany the sun is shining the uh, the birds are tweeting. It's uh, it's How beautiful. Can Germany be? When the Germans came to Ohio, they settled there because they thought it looked just like Germany. Hey man, I was, parts, uh, oh Thomas. Yeah, like if you go through, if you go through where like uh, you know the the rolling the rolling southeastern hills of Ohio, that yeah, it totally looks like Germany, but it's beautiful. <laughs> Did I just hear a siren too? The heroin right. capital of the world, <laughs> southeast Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, right, well, then that was that was marvelous. Places to fall on hard times. A little bit, because I I think Kevin Love can be a guy that can play with LeBron in the perfect world of Kevin Love, where he never gets hurt. But 
Kevin Love gets hurt all the time. That and world doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. I, I, I just I agreed with you. Kevin Love do, gets hurt all the time. That's why I didn't well, want him okay, to trade but, for him. It drives last, me nuts. The last, right, Nate, 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 Nate. The last few times he got hurt, someone literally yanked his arm out, and he got a concussion because Harrison Barnes did a Street Fighter flying elbow on him. I mean, that's a little bit fluky. I think anyone before that, and then a broken hand, and then uh, more back problems. And I'm with you, Nate. I'm with you, Nate. It's always Come on, <laughs> just be able to keep your arm in your socket at all times, and like <laughs> pull apart our heads. Come on. Yeah. Some guys get hurt. I can't explain it. Some guys don't. I, I, it, it, Tristan Thompson LeBron Anderson never gets out. hurt. That dude is such a freak. That's true. LeBron does well. Touch uh, wood. Where knock on He's, wood. And, and yeah. Tristan oh, no. Thompson. I've seen LeBron spring his ankle 400 times, and it's like never even an issue. That dude's ankles are made out of like carbon yeah. fiber. It's incredible. No, I mean, the guy, like, he, I, I saw him get shot in the arm. And the <laughs> bullet holes just healed like Wolverine, and the bullets fell out. I believe I would believe that story, Nate. I have a question though about the the how are you going to fit Love and LeBron? Like, what position do you really want LeBron to be playing? Uh, you, now you think LeBron is ideally a four? I think he has to be a four. I think he has well, to be and, a street. And Tom said that earlier, especially as his um uh as his outside shot leaves him LeBron has to be a four but I don't know if you can play a four that ref- in today's NBA it refuses uh, to guard refuses, and refuses to roll yeah and no, that's the problem right. so this, and refuses, refuses to, to cut you know I that, think if you, support, if you put him next to like even Rudy Gobert, obviously he's an all-time defensive player, but you don't even need that much shooting. Like, oh, another guy I'd love to see the Cavs trade Kyrie for. Oh man, don't. How about just how about just trade some junk for Nerlens Noel, who's like a poor man's Rudy. Nerlens Noel is not a poor man's Rudy. He's All right, a C a C level version of Rudy. Still somebody who they could use. <laughs> a C level version. He's Rudy minus six inches, maybe. I mean, he's elementary school version. Like, he does in an elementary school. No, Noel is a poor version of Tristan Thompson right now. So I, I just, I hate to blow around a horn. Actually, I don't hate to do it. I love doing it. At least he can block I shots. Was, I was a huge advocate for the Cavs making a free agent offer to Andre Iguodala uh, three years ago. And Nate was a huge advocate of the Cavs making an offer to Bismack Biyombo. Imagine yeah, I the was Cavs... a huge advocate of drafting Rudy Gobert. So there you go. Imagine the Cavs right now with. I was a huge advocate of keeping Sean Livingston. I was as well. We ET, I was yeah. as well. Yeah. Imagine right now. Imagine the Cavs with everything the same. Sub out um, J.R. Smith, Iman Shumpert, and Timothy Mozgov for Sean Livingston. Uh, most spades. Is Andre Iguodala and Bismack Biyombo. And, and throw is in that, most is that team? Okay, is that team on the level of the Warriors? No, they're better than the Warriors. Uh, They're better because they take away some of their most dynamic parts just by by taking the... It is a a very Cleveland irony that the Cavs stole, quote-unquote, away Jarrett Jack, who was a fan and coach (laughs) and locker room favorite in Golden State, and then Golden State was reeling, didn't have a backup point guard, 
So they signed Leandro Barbosa and Sean Livingston, who are now absolutely going Nova. And, and, and Sean Livingston, who might be the biggest unicorn, in, I mean, of a non-all-star in the NBA, Sean Livingston might be that guy. And there's no one else in the entire NBA with a game like him. Yeah. Uh, a guy that can see over the entire defense. The, practically a seven-foot wingspan, mid-range player that can pass over anyone like Penny Hardaway and has a throwback back-to-the-basket game. Well, and and I talked about this a lot with the Cavs. He's an absolute defensive Swiss Army knife. He can guard arguably four positions. He can play some fours in the league with as long as he is, and he can play anywhere on the floor. And well, that's where Cat finally get paid. Huh? Did he finally get paid? Like, even this most recent contract, he didn't really he get signed paid. signed a two-year deal for about $11.5 the year. Uh, this will be the second year of his deal, and it's a right. team option. i got to think that the team is going to keep him at $5.7 million. Maybe uh, crazy year, which is The only uh, reason they wouldn't if they want to clear the decks to sign Durant. That would be I, the only well, reason they wouldn't. Dur- I think Durant's the only guy that they would maybe think about doing that for. I agree. You know who else can get a good contract? Well, that's what, I mean, you probably said the same thing, E.G., but I remember, and I know I wrote this somewhere on the blog, just saying, like, hey, look, this guy's been bouncing in and out of the D-League, cut by different teams when they weren't, you know, when they were going into rebuilding mode. He's been healthy now for three years. He's not a health risk anymore. Give him a head injury. Give him a a, a three-year, like, $10 million deal. Yeah. It's low risk, medium reward, but they wanted Jared Jack. I and then they signed Earl Clark instead of Damari Carroll, even <laughs> though I wrote that they should have signed Damari Carroll because if you looked at Rapham, Earl Clark was like one of the worst players in the league, and Damari Carroll was arguably and one of the worst. And also, if you actually favorite. watched basketball games, Earl Clark was. One of the worst <laughs> <players>. <laughs> but uh, but look, I think Griffin's made made some good moves. Oh, absolutely. It's just, he, you know, I, I, and I think he's We're talking about the Chris Grant era. Most, no, of course, yeah. yeah. I'm just saying, like it, it, it's definitely changed over the last two years. But you know, the the building blocks were always in place. The Kyrie was was here, and you know, and and then the the love trade was going to happen. Nate, recording check. Yeah, no, I did. Uh, we lost about five minutes back there. I okay. th- actually, I think it might have dropped when I added Ben. So. We might not even have lost that much. So. All right. So for my final question before I go to bed um, is I've, I've read a bunch of different, very unbiased, fan-neutral pieces about what the Cavs can do to try to make this a competitive series. Some of the more interesting ones I've, I've read um, are very counterintuitive. One of them was LeBron has had success in La Iso in facing up and trying to take his defender off the dribble. Uh, and actually they showed on the teleprompter or telestrator in the game a few times places where just one Cavalier player would set like a down screen or something. And it would cause Draymond Green just to look away for a second. And at that moment, LeBron would take Iguodala or Barnes or whoever off the dribble. And by just making Draymond as a, um, like a shot blocker slash, uh, charge taker making him look at something different for a second. It was actually a pretty effective offense. I don't remember if it was Kevin Peltner who it was, but someone actually advocated for 
go back to La Iso, stop doing LeBron post-ups, and which is basically anathema to like the last decade of whatever was asked for LeBron to do, which is less La Iso and more post-ups. And the other one was Kevin Pelton saying, you just need to shoot more contested threes. Like you're not getting opened. The Warriors amorphous switch everything defense is just not giving you any daylight. You need to start just bombing away in spite of it and not, and that gets back to some of the stuff we talked about earlier where maybe they're overthinking it and they're not taking the yeah, first looking, looking for the best shot and looking then for the great shot, not over. taking the good shot. So, yeah. and then of course the third one is the one that Nate will say is like the biggest reason is like Channing Fry's not even playing at all. So, and to be what, fair, what would be, to be fair to Ben, a lot of he he came up with the idea of the Cavs should be starting uh, Channing Fry over yeah. over Tristan Thompson from the beginning so, of the series. So the the most radical adjustment Ty Lue has made in this series is having scored only sixty points through three quarters in Game Two. I I thought the most radical adjustment he was trotted out from the high chair to walking on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> he trotted out. Uh, the twin towers of, or the twin um, lane cloggers of Tristan Thompson and Timothy Mozgov. And then a 20 point deficit turned into a 30 point deficit in no time. <laughs> so I'll just, I'll let each of you guys and try to try to, I guess, if you can don't I have go, an answer, can I go first? You can go first. What, okay, what so can the one of the problems do? is the Cavs, you know, we've all talked about it, the Cavs aren't rolling on pick and roll. The, Warriors switch, and the Cavs aren't slipping the picks at the moment that the Warriors are deciding to switch and, you know, confusing the Warriors with that. Um, people are not atta- going towards the basket and attacking hard. Uh, you know, LeBron is rolling into that switch post-up, but the Cavs just are not moving towards the basket with speed nearly as often enough as they should be offensively. Part of the problem with that is the Cavs are starting Tristan Thompson, which allows the Warriors to basically keep three guys in the paint on a, on a pick and roll with LeBron and whom and Love or whomever, because they can Bogut can cheat towards the paint, then the guards guy can cheat towards the paint, and LeBron's guy can cheat towards the paint, and then they've only got two shooters spacing out the floor. So what they need is. Channing Fry needs to be on the floor, so they have three shooters off the ball, and Bogut cannot cheat towards the paint. Uh, that that is an enormous, you know. And, and I heard the one of the worst comments, and I won't name, is like, "Well, what happens when they take Bogut off the floor? What do you do with Channing Fry?" I'm like, "Well, the 20 minutes that Bogut is on the floor, he's absolutely killing you." So. Don't even worry about what happens when Bogut is off the floor. Right. They don't even, to begin with. Well, it's crazy. I mean, we've looked at the Warriors all year, and we've talked about their death lineup. And basically, anytime you play them, you want to be ahead by enough that the death lineup doesn't vanquish you. The Cavs are getting lit up by the Andrew Bogut lineups and the bench lineups. Right. Who needs a death lineup when Steph Curry and Clay Thompson can just sit the whole third quarter and a six-point deficit turns into a 20-point deficit because right. you can't handle Sean Livingston and Leander Barbosa. And you're right. When Bo gets in there, the Cavs need to use that to their advantage, and Channing Fry would be the obvious counter move. And so what you guys, what you're saying, and maybe you're saying too, Ben, is 
start him, Tyloo won't even play him. Okay, so that that was all great stuff, Nate. BG, what can the Cavs do differently? Play more physical. I mean, you know, it. They just they just haven't really. You know, it was they always say you got to make the other team feel you. They haven't made anybody outside of of Steph and and Clay feel them. Um, they they need to have. They need to have some toughness, some grit. They need to do exactly what what um, Toronto did to them when they went when they went up to Canada after blowing the Raptors out the first two games. They need to go and and really just just really impose their will, play physical, um, turn those turnovers into points. They turn the the twenty turnovers that they had. I think turned into like 21 points or something like that. They need to be capitalizing on that. They're definitely getting in the lanes, but they're not, they're not getting into guys. They're not, you know, they need to make it a more physical series. And that's really the only way I think they're going to be able to slow down, um, you know, the, 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 the speed of play that the, the Warriors use to, to get separation and, and play Channing Fry more, at opportune moments because somehow we went from playing seven minutes and Ty Lue saying, I'm going to use, I'm going to use Channing Fry more and then he played four minutes in game two. So I don't really understand that math, but, um, <laughs> but uh, it doesn't seem like that, you know, that that's going upwards, not instead of down. So I, I don't know. I, I think, you know, everything that, that Nate and Ben were saying is, is right. I think, um, you know, certainly has to be improvements on the offensive sets and the the way that they the way they 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 need to roll and the way they need to you know take some more contested jumpers. But at the end of the day, I think it's got to be about physicality. They have to they have to be the the more physically dominant team to um, you know to to impose their will and and try to take try to take these next two games at home. All right, so those were both great. Ben, I want to be a little more specific with the question for you. Uh, first right. question, should the Cavs continue to defend the Warriors by, by switching everything and constantly having at least two people monitoring Curry on the perimeter? I'll let you answer that one first, and then I'll ask you the second one. Um, yes, but only if, you know, that – Beautiful breakdown by the basketball, um, what the guy's name, the coach guy, whatever, who did the breakdown of, of LeBron's mess-ups of the switches. I think if you continue the switch plan, but you do it with players who know what they're doing and who care, it'll work a lot better. So LeBron doesn't always know what he's doing, and but mostly I feel like he cares. He just gets lost in switches. He's, just, that's, he's never been great at that. Um, Shumpert's horrific at it but if you yeah if you play if you play the lineups that that i want to see like if the like i said i really think they should just start the lineup that was killing people throughout the playoffs in the second quarter you sit Kyrie down you sit kevin down you play rj you have five guys who know how to play together and at least four of those guys if we're not you know counting Shump as a dude who knows what he's doing. Well, they put, J- put JR in the place of Shump is actually what I would prefer. Uh, you have guys who... So what's that lineup? you in, got Kyrie... Uh, Delhi, no, Kyrie's Delian in the place. Kyrie. Yeah. And then... Uh, uh, JR still plays. 
or or no, so you have Ron at the you four have Delhi at the five. Nate, just let him answer. Just wait, yeah, because that wasn't a, that wasn't in any way right. <laughs> it's uh, it's Delhi, Jr., RJ, LeBron, and Fry. Okay, and it's something that won't ever happen. It won't ever happen because Lou's coaching for his job, and he he knows that if he goes to that lineup and it backfires or whatever backfiring could be at this point after getting destroyed for two games, um, that's that's a lineup that shows that he has confidence to go to it because there's no Kyrie, there's no love. But honestly, there's I don't see another way to win without at least trying something drastically different. And that lineup has had success when it's playing against a team that has another big on the floor. And with this thing like, you know, we were talking about Bogut, you cannot let te- uh, the lineup with Bogut beat you if you're playing the Warriors and have any expectation of victory. This is just impossible. So you have to mitigate the success that a team has, you know, that that team has with Bogut on the, on the floor. And I don't think it's just one of those keep Kyrie out there. Keep, I mean, theoretically, you could keep Kyrie in that jump position instead of Jr. But he's just not good enough defensively. And I don't, you know, it, you have to have four guys around LeBron who are at least trying to follow game plan all the time. So when LeBron gambles and or doesn't pay attention, it doesn't totally destroy you. And Kyrie, it just destroys you too much. You can't have Kyrie out there. Jr. How many times did LeBron look at Jr. like like Jr. messed up? This is not Jr.'s fault. For so many of these things, on the there ball a, switches. There was, a, there was a Draymond Green, uh, one of his threes in the second half last night, where they showed the replay, and he was just wide open. And uh, Jr. Smith had tried to close out on whoever made the touch perimeter pass. I don't know if it was Clay Thompson or who. it was another guy that could shoot threes. Maybe it was like a dollar. But Jared tried to close out on that guy, and he did. And so that guy just made a little skip feed over to Draymond. And then Jr. tried to contest that. But, of course, he can't guard both guys, and Draymond splashed the three. And I didn't notice it in real time. But when they showed the replay, Kyrie Irving was down on the block, literally right next to a Cavalier big. Maybe it was Tristan Thompson. And then, and then the two Warriors players. So there were four players, like packed like sardines, down on the block, and one of them was Kyrie Irving. While J.R. Smith's trying to close out against two guys in the perimeter. Tom? No, it wasn't in transition. <laughs> and I remember thinking to myself, like, uh, Kyrie, what do you? I mean, what are you going to like get a rebound down there? Like, what are you doing? The, those two Warriors players are right next to each other. And Tristan's right there. Like, why? Why is Jr. trying to close out on two perimeter players? It just, it just yeah. made no sense. I, but, but anyway, okay. Uh, returning to the switching thing, though, because there's a little other aspect. Because I got derailed a little bit, but it does, it does depend on the lineup. Going, I would, I think they should toggle back and forth between the lineup I just mentioned, and then also going big, just dusting off Timothy. Seeing what happens, just go big, go back to the lineup. I want to see Delhi get 35 minutes a night. I want to see try a fry get 20, 25. They just have the confidence to sit some of these guys that aren't producing. And if you're going to play, then Timothy, then you Timothy can't switch on all those things. And so you do have to change your defensive structure a little bit if you're playing two bigs with LeBron at the three. Um, 
So you have to be more creative of when you're when you're doing what, and everybody has to be on point of of when you're switching and when you're not. But the switch everything mantra is all well and good if everybody's actually switching everything, or, or if they're calling for it all the time. I mean, is LeBron calling for the switch, or are they switching everything? Or you have to be aware: are they actually picking you, or are they just hanging out nearby? <laughs> like this is a, it's not the the philosophy as much as it is the execution for many of these plays. Yeah, well, I'll just add that. So I watched a lot of Warriors games this this season, and if they had one, I don't even want to call it a weakness, but one part of their game that wasn't dominant, it was rim protection. And the way Bogut has played so far in these games, uh, it just erases that. I mean, he is a great defensive player. He always has been, just like Iguodala. It's guys that, for some reason or another, they became underrated or they became overrated players to the point that they were underrated and they wound up in golden state and they're guys that you don't even ever hear. I mean, you never talk about it. You never talk about finals MVP, Andre Iguodala. He's like a, Oh yeah, Andre Iguodala. That's right. He's on their team. Or yeah. Andrew Bogut. It's just like, Oh yeah, Andrew Bogut. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like if he doesn't play, you don't even think you don't even bat an eye. And he is just completely dominating the Cavs. And, uh, I, I'm just, the Cavs, couldn't score 80 points, and I've already, this is the fourth time I've said this, despite the fact that the Warriors have 20 turnovers. The Warriors in the half court have completely stymied anything the Cavs want to do, and they might be actually a better defensive team in transition, and when it, the game gets helter-skelter. transition defense last night was phenomenal. And the Cavs, those 20 turnovers. And the yeah. Cavs are actually trying to play an up-tempo style. And someone shared a post that was done on one of the Warriors blogs, and I think you commented, maybe, EG, that it was like a very even-keeled, like very good analysis. It wasn't like homerism. And I well, agree. And I it was read nice, it just wasn't the actual, the, the, fake, the fake Warrior fan troll. <laughs> it was just happy there wasn't that. Right, so. but, but that guy shared uh, something he didn't okay. write. And I read through it, and and this person was just oh, like on 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 point for sure. Yeah, this person was basically like the Cavs are trying to beat the Warriors at their own game, and that's probably futile. And I I just don't know that trying to like run up and down the court. I just think the Cavs are it, it adds to that whole snowball effect that I talked about earlier. Where yeah, are they really this bad, or, or or is like is this just snowballing out of control? And I think trying to play fast. Uh, plays into that a little bit. Now, I don't think how, they're always trying to play fast, Tom. It's not how well you play, it's how well you play fast? Yeah, like the MTD commercial. <laughs> yeah. Because when there's not a fast break, their offense is painfully slow. That, that Their half-court offense is painfully slow, and they are not... Well, it's just the walk-up. Well, there was a sequence. And if you're going to run a post-offense, you got to get the ball into the post quicker. Then there they was are. some sequences. You can't wait till Let's, it's there were some sequences. Left. There were what? some sequences in game two where, off of crowd erupting plays by the Warriors, the Cavs were like, "Screw it, we're running," and it just it was just a mess. It, it didn't yeah. it didn't do anything except okay. Okay. Rebounds. So let's 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 finish this up with a on a positive note. I got I got a question for for us all to answer. So what give 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 your silver lining. What's the silver lining if there if there you you found one if there is one going forward for the next 
at least two games, if not the, the rest of the series. All right, I'll start. My silver lining is that I think the Warriors are a black swan event. I think anything could happen in the NBA. Curry could get injured. They could they could succumb to the disease of what is it called? The disease of disease me. Of more. Yeah. The disease of more. They could succumb to that. And um, I think it's they don't have an impending like roster doom. LeBron will probably be here for the rest of his career. <laughs> Kevin Love's locked up. Kyrie Irving's locked up. There's some certainty in the roster makeup. So you're not like putting out all these fires while you're trying to mold your team into something that can deal with the Warriors. So I think that's a good thing. I mean, before game one, Brian Winters went on the really big show and Tony Rizzo said, you know, Brian, I got to be honest with you. Um, I'm a, you know, this is great and all, but like, I really, this really needs to happen this year. Because I just want that one. It's got to happen this year. And I'm just nervous, you know? And Brian Winters said, this is going to be an annual event. Get used to it. Like, the Cavs are going to steamroll through the East for the next, like, four years. So that's a silver lining. I mean, in spite of what we've seen, it's two games that have been apocalyptically bad. And there were 14 games where the Cavs were pretty good. And I think they have a much higher ceiling than they're showing. So what about you, EG? What's your silver lining? Well, my uh, my silver lining, just in, in 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 one sense, is that the Cavs lost those two games in Toronto because if they'd swept all three previous series and then this happened, uh, it'd be that'd be even worse. So, so the silver lining is that they actually <laughs> didn't come into come into the finals on a twelve historic twelve game winning streak. But no, I, in in truth, though. I think the silver lining is they're coming back home. I know, you know, home home court advantage is, is what it is, but I do think that they're I think their role players will play better. I do think they'll play angry. I do think they will win at least one of these two games. And that's I mean honestly, I I, I there's a certain the the Warriors this year are a historically great team. There's no denying that now. I mean they they won 73 games. You know they had a they had a bit of a blip against OKC in the in the playoffs, but truth be told, you could chalk that up to you know the combination of Steph still kind of coming back from the knee injury and and OKC just kind of playing out of their minds a little bit. But um, look, they're the team that came back from that though, being down three one. They're they are a, a very formidable foe now and and going into the future. So I, I do think. To what Tom said, I think, you know, we can look forward to the Cavs being the Eastern Conference representative in the finals pretty much every year for the next four. And yeah, um, I, this is a lot. I like just what... I just hope that. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was saying I just I'm just hoping that LeBron doesn't wind up with as many finals losses as Jerry West eventually. Didn't doesn't this sound a lot like we all said what we all said in 2007? I don't know what I was saying in 2007. I didn't know you guys then. Blog did not exist in 2007. Okay. Um, my silver lining is that Delhi made a three. Uh, so maybe his shot's <laughs> coming back around a little bit. 
uh, even though he was two for nine that game, his his shot did kind of come back towards the end. He had a couple J's. Uh, and the Cavs desperately need him to be able to hit open threes, and he needs to have confidence in that shot. Um, my other thought is that there are adjustments the Cavs can make. I mean, I'm baffled that we haven't seen some of the Cavs' pet plays from earlier this season. Uh, one of the ones that I really want to see come back is that cross screen where LeBron comes across the lane and gets the ball in the post. Um, yeah. I, I'm, uh, part of that is because they switch so par- perfectly that it's hard to get that to run. I, I, I agree with you, but also the Cavs, when they're not playing Delhi, they don't have great passers on the floor with LeBron to be able to execute that. Kyrie Irving can't seem to execute that play. So, yeah. um, so those are kind of my two takeaways. I do feel that the series is winnable. I don't feel like I feel like all the Cavs' wounds are are 80% of them are self-inflicted uh, from a lack of effort and execution and intelligence, and those things can be remedied. So that's my yeah, silver yeah. lining. So, yeah, yeah, I guess I agree. I totally agree with what Nate just said the last part. I just don't know whether that can be remedied. You know what I mean? Sometimes self-inflicted ruins are the ones that continually <laughs> wound you throughout life, and it doesn't matter the other players in your life, right? Like, you just are what you are. And I don't know if Kyrie and LeBron cannot be who they are for some of these uh, defensive transgressions. Um, I fully expect, although I expected game two, for them to come out and win on energy, but I, I really would be shocked if, if the Cavs didn't win game three because of the customary, you know, home team down 0-2 uh, phenomenon. Hey, can, I just, um, can, I just, can I just interrupt? Yeah. I've heard that so much. Would, would it really shock you if they just got swept? I mean, I get I, I get it, and I hear Nate say, oh, 80% is correctable. Isn't it just possible that they're just like, not only not in the league of the Warriors, but also a terrible matchup, and also they've already lost the mental edge. I, I just it, it, is, it would not shock me at all. Silver lining, like, Tom. You I need to look up a definition of silver, silver lining. lining. Sorry, I'm sorry. Tom. Maybe maybe shock is. I just keep hearing that. I just keep hearing that. Like, well, I'm sure they'll win at least one, and I'm just sort of like, really, like. I don't, I don't think game four. If they lose game three, though, they're, they're going to be out. I don't think there's the chance that they they. You know, they're not going to fight down 3-0 tooth and nail because part of the reason why I want to change some of this lineup stuff is I like to have players on the floor who, regardless of the score and regardless of the the most probable outcome, those players do the right thing and play hard. So, like, if they're down 30 or up 30, they play and make the right basketball decision. And the Cats don't do that, many many of them. So what's that book called, like, Thinking Fast and, and Slow? Is that that book that came out a few years ago? Uh, where it's all about, like, the the difference between decisions when you make them, like, with gut versus you think about it. So I think our gut is to say, like, well, come on, the Cavs are going to win a game at home. But the longer I sit and think about it, the more I'm just kind of like, I don't know. <laughs> I have not seen any guy. Tom, my gut says that the NBA loves making money. And as much as oh, I would love true. that none of this is fixed at least a little bit, it's fixed at least a little bit. Come on. We, have, we, haven't, we haven't talked about it at all, but, man, the officials have not done the Cavs any favors. No. Holy cow. Yeah, that's what And I, that's how come 
that Harrison Barnes foul isn't being reviewed for a flagrant. Because no one understands. I don't understand. Should it? I don't, I, I don't have any if, semblance. If, if Draymond kicking a dude, if Draymond kicking a dude in the nuts is not a is not a flagrant foul. What no, not is? a flagrant two. If it's not a, it was a flagrant one. Yeah. You're just saying any incidental contact that's like an elbow to the head. It doesn't matter how unintentional. Well, that's a total player control foul. They're both up in the air. He's got that flying elbow. He's going about a thousand miles an hour, and he just whacks him in the back of the head. How is that not any? How is Mate, that any different from undercutting someone? In well, I will just danger? say, I watch basketball all the time. I have seen so many plays being reviewed for like flagrant throughout these right. playoffs. I don't have any freaking idea what the rules are. How it are, seems completely arbitrary to me. How are some those deli plays reviewed, and that one wasn't even called for a foul? Reputation let alone reviewed afterwards. Like Reputation. when Deli was called for that flagrant on Biombo, where he literally used his hands, went for the ball, missed the ball on the swipe down, <laughs> and then just held on to Biombo's biceps. So that he couldn't finish an and one, and he was called for a flagrant. I, I just sort of like, honestly, I don't even, I don't understand the rules because I don't understand how that is not like the most textbook foul that is not a flagrant, and they call it a flagrant. And, and let's but, be one of Lou's biggest failings this finals is how re- poorly he has worked the officials, both on the court and off the court. It's been terrible, and he's said nothing seems afraid of getting fined uh i would have been screaming for a flagrant for harrison barnes after that that play mm. well he wasn't even called for a foul was he no and no, no, at no, the no. very oh. least it right. been so reviewed then after the game it ended up it ended up becoming an and one for draymond yeah, yeah. right so i mean well oh, and <laughs> how about the cat the not taking a foul there was one of the worst moments <sighs> Ever. Yeah. Well, I mean, come on, Nate. I mean, in the moment, they might not be thinking that. Guys, I found that the, the entire problem. Point. People like Deli it. think of in the moment. Like, Deli smart is. players. Well, Deli is the smart smartest intentional follower I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, I found another silver lining. Ooh, um, I, love, I love it. Sweeps, sweeps in the NBA Finals are rare. There's only been eight of them. And the last one was in 2007. So <laughs> the Cavs. We got which, that going. Which I, I kind of alluded to that a few Which is ago. nice. <laughs> By the way, that's I just had to look it up because I couldn't believe that, that was the last sweep in the finals, but it was. So, by the way, sweeps are like triple doubles, in my opinion. They're like almost a meaningless statistic. We just It's like fun with numbers. That 2007 series was actually a lot more competitive than anyone yeah. will ever remember. It was really yes, ridiculous history. I hate when people talk about that series like the, the Cavs were an awful team and they had no shot and blah, blah, They were blah. in every game. They were, and they were a defensive juggernaut in the playoffs. They were amazing on the defensive end, and it's normal defensive yeah. bias. Yeah, and rebounding, too. They were one of the best rebounding teams in the league. And they were in every game. And they probably should have won one, if not both, of the home games. They just... You know, they kind of was failed in the clutch. Like both of those games or something like that? Or am I making that up? What's that? Was it like 75-72 both of those games or something? Or am I making that up? Uh, I think maybe one of those games. One of those games it was low, and a different one it wasn't. It was like 99 to like 
98 they lost the last game, I think. Oh, I can look it up real quick with those boxes. I can say I might be one of the few people who, who misses those in the 70s games that they had against the Pistons and things like that. I just love Oh, man. Those were games. Every possession, every free throw was so mind-cripplingly critical because, yeah, that there was just so few points scored. So that, that talks a little bit about the pace thing. I want to just touch on that that we talked about before. Just reminding, like, there's a difference between pace and speed. So when you're playing with pace and, like, having possession pace, that's one thing. You can play an incredibly low pace and play fast. And, like, that's that's what the Cavs are missing. They're, it's not about getting up in transition and pushing always the tempo with how fast you're getting into the next possession. It's when you're in that possession, in your half-court offense, are you moving quickly? Are you, like, running and, and like that's that's speed I want to see. I want them to use their actions quickly, go to the hole to suck defenders in. It doesn't matter whether you get the ball, but just move quickly. Yeah. So Ben, the the box scores, the Cavs lost game one, eighty five to seventy six. They lost by nine. They lost game two, one hundred three to ninety two. So they lost by eleven. They lost game three, 75 to 72. (laughs) Holy cow. And um, they lost game four, 83 to 82. The infamous Anderson Barajau. Did he air, did he air, did he air ball like a 15 footer? Um, So sad. That's kind of funny that the Cavs lost 83 to 82 in the final game and they scored 30 points in the fourth quarter. <laughs> so they had 52 points at the end of 30. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I, anyway. Those would be fun to go back and watch for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, the pain of losing those games has subsided and, and the memories of those players still makes me feel good. So. Yeah, I think I'd rather go back. I'd probably just go back and watch them them beat the Pistons and the oh, Eastern yeah. Finals. The, the good and Vergeau debate, like I was always wanting, I, I just couldn't understand why Vergeau was not starting and Gooden was. Yeah. Like that, oh, oh, man. Another another era, another time, world. Another incompetent coach. Well, they were, <laughs> no, I mean, but honestly, Mike Brown made adjustments. Um he, the whole season long, Eric Snow is the starting point guard. Okay, Tom. He, Tom yeah, he stopped. He stopped. He stopped smelling his his upper lip and started just like showing his teeth more. And Tom, that was his big move. Is long in the tooth to be. Man, this, pod, this podcast, oh, guys, this I've podcast, this is the saber. This is the saber tooth podcast. Okay, so Ben. This pot you've been on for forty seven minutes. This we is a two hour podcast. For an hour and ten minutes before you got on. <laughs> hey, if we're not gonna go hard in the finals, then the Cavs aren't That's right, true. Nate. Isn't That's that true. We gotta have the same attitude the Cavs do. Cavs yeah. are six. Go Cavs. Maybe seven. Maybe maybe Cavs and eleven. Go Cavs. Okay, the Cavs, the Cavs did it in 2007. They were down 2-0 to the Pistons. Everyone wrote them off. They won four straight. Crazier things have happened. The Warriors yeah. were down 1-2 to the Cavs. The Warriors were down 3-1 to the Thunder. So it can happen. It could happen. 
It will happen. Is that the Angels and the is that the Lions or Angels and the Spurs were down. Spurs were down 0-2 to the Heat, and they won four straight. You have the greatest references. You just referenced Angels in the outfield. And the, like little, the, little, is that? the little foster kid that was his, his buddy. JP was his name. <laughs> That's Jeez. not even a Together. good movie. <laughs> <laughs> hey, when you're a kid, every baseball movie is a good movie. Rookie of the Year was like the greatest oh. movie when I was functioning. <laughs> Uh, are, did you what were you what was the little bow wow like Mike yeah like Mike I never saw that uh, well you missed out <laughs> okay. yeah none of those Tom, movies are I we mean, wrapping a lot this up of, sometime today we are, we are wrapping this up um, stick with us at Cavs the blog for all your cathartic Cavs coverage <laughs> And, and if, if you love Kyrie Irving, please don't start <laughs> harassing me online. Yes. It's just sports; it's not real life. Yeah, and and shout out to all the fantastic commenters on Cavs the Blog today. Oh my gosh, they yeah. were phenomenal. Yep. You guys make this worthwhile, so thank you. I'm sure they haven't listened to this point though, so <laughs> maybe put that a, bit. It's going to be a two-part. edit that bit at the beginning, Nate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you stay to the end, here's where we thank you. Yeah, here's the Easter egg. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if some people are going to see the light of this and just be yeah. like, "No, this is going to be a two-parter." I can't do it. Oh man! Silver okay. lining Easter. Cavs in six and a half. No Cavs. Go Cavs. Go Cavs. Thank you for listening to Cavs the Blogs Podcast. Check back soon for some more fun with your favorite blogger. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. New year, new credit scores. Chime makes it easier to build credit by using your own money to make on-time payments with a secured Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card. Use it everywhere Visa credit cards are accepted. To apply, just open a Chime checking account with a qualifying direct deposit. There's no annual fee or credit check required when applying. Get started at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Late payment may negatively impact your credit score. Results may vary.